And welcome back, spooky people, to another episode of That Spooky Life. I am your host, Miranda, and we are coming at you with a slightly different episode today. I've been looking through and making sure to write down bullet points of my tales, and if you hear a cat, again, we're recording, so that means that Isis J. Tiny Cat has taken sudden interest. She very much loves this podcast and apparently when I record. But today, in looking through my stories and stories that have been submitted to me, I realized that I had initially intended here four episodes in to touch on a little bit of like hashtag witchy tips each episode. And I have been so overwhelmed with the fact that I got people submitting stories right out the gate and wanting to get to know you guys and wanting you guys to get to know me that I had not actually remembered to do much of that in these first few episodes. So today, what I'd like to do is read one of my listener submitted stories, one which I haven't read yet because I wanted to react as I was recording. And then the second part of the episode will be a catch up on witchy tip stuff. Like what to do if you think your house is haunted and what not to do. So I hope you'll stay tuned for all of it. But if not, I'm going to give you the the crazy paranormal experience to begin with. And we're going to dive right into it. I have no idea what's about to happen. I'm excited to share it and I'm excited to go on this journey with you guys. This story was submitted to me by Astrid and Astrid writes, this is the story that made me aware of a gift I only had glimpses at. This is where I found my talent to help those that have passed from this realm. I have tons of stories that are creepy, spooky, and I'm willing to let you guys pick it apart with a skeptical mind. I am a Nordic pagan. I do what some call cleaning. I come into a home, figure out what's going on, and make this dangerous entity leave or calm it down. This story is a bit long, but it was the very first time that I actually saw and felt a spirit that was in pain. Viewer discretion is advised. When I was 15 years old, I was a brat and didn't care much for school, but to not scare my mom, I went anyways. On a normal afternoon, skipping class with my buddies, it was a stormy day, which is very normal for a small town in Washington State. Can confirm. I've been in Washington State. I had family that lived there for a while. I think it's beautiful out there. I also love how many stormy days there are, personally. Smoking my cigarette, looking around, I wasn't really paying attention to anything specific, when a moving white thing on the edge of the woods caught my full attention. I watched it move almost at a sway. Almost every sound beside my breathing disappeared. I didn't know why at the time, why my primal instinct was screaming at me to run, but I was frozen just watching the swaying little thing come closer and closer to the edge of the woods. When it emerged from the last tree, I realized it was a girl about my age, maybe a year or two older than me, She was wearing a dingy and filthy white dress that looked turn-of-the-century, but that isn't what freaked me out. From the waist down, there was blood on this dress. Her face looked like it went around with an MMA fighter three times her size, and her hair was matted and looked like it had clay in it, which was normal to find on the forest floor around my school. Without thinking, because while I'm a woman and to see another woman like that is traumatizing, I took off running for her as fast as I can. I got to her, grabbed her arm, trying to speak to her calmly, even though I felt like I was going to puke everywhere. I turned to my friends and started to scream for them to call the police and an ambulance, but they stared at me like I'd lost my damn mind. I heard her moan out of pain, so I turned back to her, cooing and trying to soothe this girl who was obviously attacked in a manner all women fear. 
My screams at my friends turned from a calm demand to cussing and insults to their humanity and sanity. All of this went on for about three minutes before my best friend Nikki came forward and walked up to me and took my hand and whispered in a shocked and scared voice, Who are you talking about? Are you high again? At this point, I was four weeks clean, so I became pissed and let go of the girl and turned my anger on her, on my friend. How fucking dare you? She's standing right here. I turned to look at the girl, and no one was there. I froze completely still. I looked down to the ground where I clearly saw blood pooling, and there was nothing. My friend touched my face and continued to ask questions about my sobriety. I couldn't answer. I touched her. I touched this girl. I remember the warmth of her skin under her sleeve, under my hand. I didn't speak for the rest of the day, but since it's a small town, pretty much everyone in my school heard about it by the end of the day. Ooh, Ooh I need a moment. I feel for you, girl. I also feel for the entity. And this is like the epitome of stress as a medium. And I just want to hug you. I want to hug you so much. I felt crazy and was in fear I was going to end up like my Aunt Frances, who's a paranoid schizophrenic and seeing things. But one day, one of the goth kids walked up to me and asks me to talk. This was normal. I was a rolling stoner and didn't care how you looked or who you hung out with as long as you were nice to me and those around you. I followed him around the corner to talk to him about what happened. I answer all of his questions and his eyes light up like this was the coolest thing ever and I had felt anger toward his excitement. Before I could rip into this freaky guy, he makes me aware of a ghost story that involves our school woods. Apparently, a girl 18 years of age was secretly seeing a very much older man. One night, he came to her window and called her out in the middle of the night. But because her friend was staying the night, she declined. He became angry and pulled her out, which then the friend tried to follow. She found them and he was doing something so sickening to her, I will not say what. But when he left her there and the friend comes to this girl to comfort her while she bled out on the forest floor, I have personally found no evidence for this. Wow, that is heavy. That is scary and crazy and super heavy. Personally, I have found no evidence for this, and since that day, I trust any dreadful feelings I have. Once again, I have tons of stories. If you want more, let me know. Sincerely, Astrid. Astrid. Holy shit's next. Like, I can't even. That's crazy. I can't imagine. So I was homeschooled. I was lucky. I, my parents made sure that I was, I was socialized and I was in, you know, different classes and like dance class and summer camps and things like that. But I didn't have to deal with my peers every day other than my siblings. I had a hard enough time seeing things when I was a kid and a teenager and only having to sometimes be around people. The fact that you were not only in high school, but like at school in front of your friends when this happened. I can't imagine that. You have all of my hugs. All of my hugs for that. And I'm sure it helped shape you into the wonderful person you are today. But I want to hug high school you so hard. So the fact that someone else, like almost completely unrelated, came up to you later and was like, oh, this is a thing. That I wish, I wish we could find evidence for it. That's insane. But like, I don't know. I feel like that's pretty vindicating right there. Also, yes, please. Any stories you want to send, I am happy to share. This is, this is telling me that there's going to be some good stories. Because you are obviously very in tune with uh, 
with your life and what you're about. So I appreciate that. There were times I would walk around a corner in buildings and would just jump back and people would ask me what. And I just, after the first few times when nobody saw anything, I would just say that I thought I saw something and move on. Even if I had to walk under the ghost in its death state of having hanged itself. And, you know, that scene from The Sixth Sense where they see, like, the the hanged people and poor little Haley Joel Osmond's just freaked out, etc. Yeah, stuff like that had happened. I had a hard time watching that movie because I was like, no, that's that's pretty close. That's pretty close to what it feels like. Somebody has just basically, like, painted my life on a movie screen. Cool. I've never been... Okay, I'm going to phrase this very carefully. To my knowledge, I have never mistaken one of the spirits for the living. I'm not... I am not one of those people who tangibly, physically can see or touch the spirit, to my knowledge. Obviously, Astrid, you have that. And I have a friend who absolutely has that. That would be on a whole new level to me. I don't know if I could deal with that level of it. And granted, if I'd had it all of my life, maybe maybe I would have become accustomed to it and it wouldn't be so bad. In general, that's uh, that's a little higher level than I am usually experiencing things. So that is a wonderful story. Thank you very much for sharing it. And any other stories that you would like to share, please do. Please do. I always need listener stories and I am excited to know what other stories you may have just waiting to be waiting to be shared with us. So with that, I want to get into a little bit maybe beginner style stuff for if you think that you're haunted or your house is haunted or what to do if you run into a situation like that. Um, a little bit of backstory. I've been having paranormal experiences since I was very young. The first time I remember, I was probably three in my old bedroom in our first house in Atlanta, and there was something over me. It leapt back. It leapt out the window. I screamed. My mom came in, tried to tell me it was a dream, but there was actually some physical evidence. I might tell that story at some point. It's not a very long one, so I hadn't included it on my list of things to tell, but it was it was my first really, truly paranormal experience that I didn't understand. And of course, it wasn't the only one. There were plenty more to follow, both in childhood and into adulthood, that pushed me to research and find things along the way that worked for me. When I was young, my grandmother was very religious, so a lot of the times it would just be if there was something that scared me, you know, you close your eyes and you pray. But along the way, I lost what faith I had for a very long time and delved into looking for alternatives. And a lot of it was self-practice, self-study, until I want to say it's one of my best friends, but the fallacy of memory is as it is. Someone gave me Teen Witch by Silver Ravenwolf. And while I've gone back and reread some of it in my adult life, I think I still have a copy of it here at my house. Some of it is meh, in in my practice and my experience. A lot of it was very helpful at the time, and it was the only real outlet or information I had, because this was before the days of the internet being what it is now. And it taught me a lot. I found things that did work. I found things that didn't work. And it taught a bit of responsibility with endeavoring to practice those things and sort of helped start my journey on the path to being 
the classy sassy witch that I am today. Where to start is a very interesting thing. It's different for everyone. Depending upon what it is you're actually experiencing can determine really what the best steps forward are. But in general, people are going to tell you, oh, you should sage your house. Well, let's start there. Sage is good. Um, there are different kinds of sages, which a lot of people don't know. If you Google sage, you'll probably see one of the more recent things on the internet. It's like how sage is endangered and you should stop using it. And then you'll see other articles where that information has no basis in reality and it's not actually endangered. And honestly, I haven't looked into a lot of it to know where that's going. I've grown sage before. I don't currently have any. I'm redoing my little herb garden. A friend of mine, her mother has a giant bed of white sage up in Michigan that it just grows wild there. And if I ever really needed it and there was some sort of ban on buying sage, I'd be like, hey, can you get your mom to pick me and dry me some sage and send it home? Like, I'll, I'll give you the shipping on it. It's good. Sage, uh, specifically white sage, when dried and burned, is used for what is called smudging, as probably many of you know. And what it tends to do is it's said to run off evil spirits. Well, what it does is it breaks up energy in a house or a room or wherever you're burning it. It will disperse energy patterns and negative energy. As I've recently discovered, however, through a friend who has been taking some courses and both in-person and online classes on the art of necromancy, which I will add in this context is not literally raising the dead. This is necromancy insofar as dealing with spirits, communicating with spirits, helping spirits move on, that kind of necromancy. We're not talking about zombies and reuse, recycle, reanimate, but the art of interacting with the dead. Well, in these classes, as she has passed on to me, sage is not the end-all be-all. It disperses the energy, yes, but that doesn't prevent it from coalescing again and going right back into what it was doing before. So there are a number of things that are popular in sort of like a new agey metaphysical means that are not exactly what most people know them to be. I've also been told that sage will also run off good spirits. So if like your grandparents are around protecting you, sage will make them go away for a little while too. Um, there are a number of things that have been told to me over the years that would help with, you know, my mediumship and seeing ghosts and dealing with ghosts and hauntings and things like that. Some of them work, some of them don't. The ones that I have found work for me personally are Florida water, uh, spritzing Florida water around, even if it's diluted in a little bit of water. Uh, it doesn't make the good spirits go away. It makes negative things go away. It is sort of like a spring cleaning style thing where again it disperses and chases off for a bit but it's not necessarily a permanent fixture um, but Florida water has been used for many 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 generations I believe it is predominantly used in hoodoo practice and I've known it as a men's cologne in the south for ever but you can wear it it's not harmful to wear you can also clean your windowsills and things like that with it you can use it as an offering and it smells really good. I got some for my husband as an actual cologne. So additionally, salt on the windows can work. Problematically, salt is a barrier. So if you have something in your house, technically that also keeps it inside. So before using salt, I would say make sure your house is clean in the, in the sense that I'm using the accent, you know, 
if you do sage and chase things out and you know it's out, then put the salt down kind of thing. But again, there's a certain sort of order of operations to it. And if there's a strong enough tie to the haunting, that particular tie of the haunting may be stronger than the barrier of the salt. So you just kind of have to figure out what you're dealing with. There are also a number of protective crystals. You're going to find that people sort of have like a dictionary. It's like, oh, rose quartz is for this. Oh, jade is for this. And that's a good starting place. You know, jade specifically, I've seen mostly used for like healing and calming and things like that. And like rose quartz is used for, you know, personal interactions and relationships and things to do, you know, with more love. So what you'll probably find with like protective stones is you'll find a lot of the black stones like hematite, obsidian, jet, things like that. I believe labradorite is one of them and quartz crystals are good for everything. Well, that may be true for some people, but for me personally, I have found that I can't really... I can't wear hematite or onyx. It grounds me too much and ends up giving me a headache. Same for obsidian for the most part. Uh, Either snowflake or just regular black obsidian. However, I have a giant chunk of obsidian that sits in my house that helps absorb and protect from negative energy that that same friend who is endeavoring with necromancy got for me. Or got and then I got from her. I will say it feels really positive around that obsidian, but I don't tend to uh, carry it with me. So if you're looking into protective stones and protective crystals to enhance or diminish or protect you from paranormal energies and activities and experiences, there may be a little bit of trial and error. What works for one person may not work for the next. I know a lot of people have good experiences with hematite and helping ground them and take the negative away, etc. But like, I just can't wear it. I have a hard time even working with it. Um, On the other hand, amber, which I love, has a particularly useful quality I have found to transmute negative energy into positive energy. And that worked really well for me. But for another friend of mine, it's basically just tree sap hardened. Like, it does nothing for them. Sometimes it's our environment that plays factors on these things. And sometimes it's our personal chemical makeup. You know, be it the subtle self and your spiritual makeup, as it were. Or just a past life experience. Or, I don't know. I mean, it's it's just individuals, different histories, different metaphysical makeups. Some things work for them, some things don't. Definitely... Don't take things at face value. If you're having a particular issue or wanting to do a particular thing, definitely make sure that you have a solid understanding of what tools you're using before diving in. I'm going to say, for the record, the thing that I have found that is so important, so important, I cannot stress how important. If you believe that you are a sensitive, if you are an empath, if you are a medium, be it physical, psychic, if you are just generically psychic, clairvoyant, clairaudient, whatever it is that you feel you may have, and you feel like you're struggling and you're having a hard time, keep your house clean. Do not have clutter. Do not have laundry laying about. If your house is clean and you are not a clutter bug, maybe try rearranging your house. 
a couple episodes ago, I talked about Michelle Belanger and a lot of the stuff that I have read from her. One of the things that has changed my life is the fact that energy flows constantly. There is no destroying energy. Matter is energy. Matter is never fully destroyed. It just becomes energy, etc. And if you have the way that your house is set up, energy will find ways to flow through it. And it will sort of dig out those patterns, kind of like a riverbed. You know, over time, a riverbed will get deeper and it will change around different ways and it will expand wherever the bank is low enough to allow it. However, if there are negative energy patterns, negative or even just stale energy around someone who is sensitive to such things, that can be very detrimental. And what you have to do is you have to, you know, clean. But you, it's not just the physical cleaning. It's not just keeping things dusted. It's thinking about the process of, you know, either transmuting the negative energy into positive or, you know, sweeping out the front door, getting all the bad stuff out. You have to take energetic care of yourself and your surroundings in addition to, and much like you do physically, you know, you change your bed so that your bed doesn't get stinky. You sweep the floor so that dust doesn't collect. Well, while you're doing all of those things, if you focus, it doesn't have to be any different or a set aside a different or more time to clean energetically. When I'm doing it, I take a little extra time energetically because I have some weird things with energy personally. And, you know, I sort of picture it like spider webs or cobwebs in the corner and sort of just do a circular motion with my hands to wrap it up and then take those cobwebs and throw it out the door. Toss it out the window if I'm in my bedroom. You don't have to do anything terribly special. Just the intent and the will and the willingness to do so will make a huge difference. At least it has in my experience. Keeping your house clean, keeping it organized, reorganizing it if it's fallen into some strange patterns and you need to change things up a little bit, which is one of the things that I'm currently in the middle of. While you're doing that, you know, when you do your spring cleaning every year, or in my case, fall cleaning, look up some floor washes, see if there's anything that negative energy be gone, hex breaking, even bring money into the house, things like that, brings in positive energy and gets the negative out. If after that you're still having haunting issues, well, maybe it's time for some bigger guns and looking into other things. Uh, meditation is very important as well, especially, especially if you believe that you are sensitive or an empath or a medium. You have got to get your own internal energy and shit on lockdown before you can properly perceive and interpret what the world is trying to tell you. So, you know, you could very well just have a really angry, old, grumpy, misogynist man, ghost in your house. But because it scares you so badly and you're not doing the proper personal upkeep, you think it's a demon. I, that's fair. I've seen that thing, those things happen before. A really intense, angry haunting can feel real bad. I've also run into a demon before. At least the closest thing that I would consider to be a demon. And that was horrible. But I was also very young and didn't take the time to terribly much investigate. I left. <laughs> I was like, nope, this place is not for me. Bye. And I actually never went back. But you have to take care of you. You have to take the time to meditate and make sure that your energy 
is the healthiest you can make it and continue to strive and make it even better than before. You know, we all get into bad habits and as adults, it's not just things like chewing on your hair or biting your nails or tapping a pencil or something like that. We can get into some really bad behavioral habits. And if there's something that's not serving you, something that is making you unhappy or is causing problems for you otherwise, you know, you have to work on breaking those habits because that's a negative energy pattern that is keeping you from being the best you, keeping you from achieving your fullest potential. And it's hard. It's not fun. Nobody likes to take a critical eye to themselves and go, oh, well, this is crappy about me. But if you do, not only will your personal life and relationships get better, but negative things aren't nearly as attracted to people who don't have negative behavioral patterns and energies. Now, this is not victim blaming. It is not your fault you moved into a haunted house that you didn't know was previously haunted. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is these are means of protecting yourself. In order for you to overcome a difficult situation or to prevent negative attachments, you have to take care of you. Whether that's therapy, meditation, ritual baths, whatever. You have got to take care of you first and foremost. Otherwise, you're going to get clingers on when you don't mean to. Or things are going to be able to feed from you because you have weaknesses that they can exploit. If you can make sure that you are on spiritual Fort Knox lockdown, then they can't attach to you as easily. Now, something that is very controversial. Ghost hunters. Say that you're in a situation where you think your house is haunted. You're not a sensitive at all. Or you are and don't have it confirmed, or you're not sure what's going on, but you do know for a fact that you feel like you're being haunted. You decide to reach out to paranormal experts. I am all about the paranormal experts who are looking to help people. You need to do your research and make sure that whatever group you reach out to is one of those groups, because there are a lot of groups out there. And while some of them are more scientific-based and just looking to collect evidence, not everybody actually has the interests of the person who is suffering a haunting at heart. I'm going to use a television example. I don't know if anybody is familiar with one of these shows, but I know most of you, if you're listening, probably are familiar with the second. The first that I'm going to cite is The Dead Files. And Take it as legitimate or not as you will. I at least appreciate the, wait for it, spirit of the show. <laughs> In that Steve and Amy are going around helping people. Um, there is an investigation. He checks for historical evidence to back up things that Amy finds. And sometimes he doesn't find anything that she, or he doesn't find stuff to support things that she saw. And sometimes, you know... She finds everything literally spot on and pictures are recognized. And I've done that before. I have seen the spirit of a person and then been showed a picture of them. And let me tell you, it is thunderstriking. It is crazy. But at the end of the day, Amy makes recommendations to them. She tells them what she believes needs to be done. And sometimes that's, you know, walk around and spray your property with salt and Florida water. You know, put down certain things you know, plant something, clean up the house, talk to a priest, have a prayer set over your front door. Sometimes it's easy stuff. Sometimes it's real crazy shit that like, I'm interested to know where she got her education on some stuff because 
Boy, you need a hoodoo practitioner, a voodoo priest, and a Catholic priest all at the same time? What? What the hell kind of thing is this? Like, that's crazy. And sometimes she flat out tells them they need to move. I appreciate that because they are trying to give people solutions. These people are coming to them for help because they don't want whatever it is they have. And while not all the time it's bad, a lot of the time it is. Because if you're at the point that you're willing to call in a television show to your house, you're either a glory hound or you got some real bad stuff happening. And from the state of most of the people on that show, I'll tell you right now, most of them seem to have some real bad stuff happening. The other kind of ghost hunter is like the show Ghost Adventures, who I love to hate, and I call them ghost bros. They are the type of investigators who come in, stir up activity to try and gain and record evidence, and then leave. And to me, that is the equivalent of walking into a stranger's house, shouting at them in all of their faces, insulting the grandmother, slapping the kid, and then walking out without consequences. And that's crazy. I don't discount what they're doing because it is presented in the spirit of trying to record and prove the paranormal. Aaron and Jay seem like real nice dudes. Billy seems all right. And there is a certain level of crazy that it is required to walk into some of those places that they go to that I just flat don't possess. I would not do half of the stuff they do, so my hat is off to them on the either bravery or stupid or really nice paychecks. I don't know which. But they are not the type of people that I would invite into my house if I felt that I had some sort of violent haunting to the point that I was reaching out to aid from others. And I don't discount the people that are trying to gain evidence and find proof of things that we don't understand in this world, but... If you have a problem in your home that is affecting your life, your children, you're getting bruises, you're getting scratches, make sure that you do your research and that the people that you reach out to aren't the people who are just going to come in and make it worse and then leave, but instead the people who will actually be trying to help you. Because there are solutions. There are things that can be done. You just need to be able to find the people that are willing to help you to do it if you don't know how to do it yourself. Now, sometimes it can be as simple as laying ground rules. If you have a haunting that is bothering you and scaring your children or something along those lines, try honestly just saying, hey, I don't mind if you stay here, but you need to stay out of my children's room. Or I don't mind if you stay here, but you have to go upstairs. Or I don't mind if you stay here, but you need to stay in the backyard. Like... I can't have you scaring the cats. I can't have you scaring, you know, myself when I walk to the kitchen at midnight for my midnight snack. I have a friend that this has worked really well for. Um, I definitely have this on the list of stories to share on this podcast. But one of my best friends has a child who haunts her house. And we've been doing research to try and figure out where he might have come from. I will say in the nights that I have spent at her house, it has been... The images and the information that I received from him were not good, but some of them I know he was projecting to try and scare me, and I would need more time to determine if what he showed me of his death was legitimate or if he was just trying to upset me. Because she had made a deal with him that he could stay in the upstairs apartment over her garage, but he was not allowed in the main house. When I showed up as a medium, 
he broke that rule we had to have a little come to jesus slash come to the morgan meeting about no the rules are still the same and you get to stay the hell up there but sometimes that conversation especially for non-violent hauntings you know maybe just saying hey this is your space over here and this is my space you stay in your space and i will respect it and you don't have to leave you break our agreement however we will find a way to make you leave now more violent hauntings people that are trying to get attention to be moved on that's not necessarily the case if somebody if a spirit is reaching out because they can't figure out a way to move on on their own and they are trying to reach out to you obviously that's different but there's also a level of personal responsibility if you are sensitive and you've moved into a house that is causing you health problems and the hauntings are keeping you up at night things like that, if it is within your means to find a way, talk to somebody, find that help. There was an episode that I watched on TV recently where this woman knew that she was an empath. Turns out she was a full-on physical medium and she had been living in a house that she loved, that she claimed, you know, oh, well, I, I can't, I can't move because I put everything into this house. Okay. I respect that. I'm a homeowner. I get it. You know, we were contractually obligated to stay in our house for a certain number of years. But at the end of the day, you can sleep on somebody's couch for a minute, considering her best friend was also a sensitive. This woman was literally killing herself just to stay in this house. There was a demon, there was a bunch of ghosts, and apparently, bitch was like two miles from where the Manson family hid out for years. And so all of these dead people who they had killed were like stalking around the area, fucking shit up because like, okay, legit, I get why they're pissed. Don't be that person. Don't just live in misery. Don't live in suffering. Don't risk your health and your life just to be stubborn. Yeah, sure, some people might think you're crazy, but you know what you're experiencing. Reach out, find some help. Don't be her. At the end of the day, if you feel like you're being haunted or you're being affected by negative entities, negative energies, something like that, don't be scared to make changes. Move stuff around in the house, clean everything, clear up your clutter, meditate, look into some a nice new hematite necklace or finding a stone or a crystal that works for you. Most places have a metaphysical shop within an hour drive or so, because I'll tell you right now, if there's one within an hour drive of the town in which I grew up, there will be one fairly close. And you know what else there is? There's the internet. No, it's not as good as going in person and talking to somebody necessarily, but there are groups that you can join on Facebook and Amazon is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So join a group on Facebook, talk to people who have been through similar things, talk to people who might be able to help you. And yeah, you'll probably find some charlatans and yeah, you'll probably find some people who have no idea what the hell they're talking about, but think that they do, but you're doing something, you're making changes, you're making progress. Every step is a step in the right direction. And who knows, maybe like Astrid, you'll find out that you're actually meant to help people. You'll find out that this is a gift that you didn't know you had or you didn't understand. Or like me, you'll just dive into all the books on it and be able to share your information and experience with somebody else who may be able to then help themselves because they had a good conversation with you and you didn't tell them that you thought they were crazy. This has probably been kind of broken and, uh, backwards. I made some bullet point notes and 
just decided to to chat about it with you guys today because I feel that it's something that's important that, you know, most of us have all experienced, whether we talk about it or not. And that sometimes it's just nice to hear, hey, I see you. I feel you. I get it. I've been there. This is not your forever. You can actually make changes and it's okay. And, you know, who knows? Maybe literally nobody listening has ever had a problem or they're in the midst of clearing it up and they're like, okay, sure. Thanks. It was nice chat, I guess. But hopefully, you know, even if this ends up helping only one person, if one person hears this podcast and goes, I didn't know that, or I'll try that, and then it ends up working for them, then I feel like I've done my job. So I think that's going to bring us to the end of our episode today. As usual, I have Instagram at that spooky life podcast. Please feel free to follow me. I love listener stories. You guys have been so awesome making sure that I have one, at least one a week for, for all of these recordings. I always need more. Like there is no such thing as too many right now. If you have a story that you would like to submit and like me to read on the podcast, uh, please send it to that spooky life podcast at gmail.com. And I look forward to reading anything you guys send me. If it starts out real solid, there's a chance that I'm just gonna be like, Ooh, I'm going to wait and read this on the podcast live. Like Astrid's story. Huge shout out to Astrid. Thank you very much for sending that in. And I would love to hear as many stories as you would like to submit. That gave me chills. I'm going to go back and read it again. Like, yes. Yes, girl. That is the life that we are living. And also, uh, I'm going to be trying to make sure that as promised in the trailer, and I think the first episode, that we have uh, more little more little sit-downs about witchy things and, and talk about the spiritual side of paranormal and metaphysics, as well as just the spooky ghosty side of spirituality and paranormal stuff. So if you have a specific subject you would like me to speak on, protecting things, purification stuff, I don't do love spells, none of that shit. I don't do like revenge stuff. I'm not gonna hex your ex-boyfriend for you or talk about how to do that or anything like that. There's an internet if you're interested. Go off and learn your own lessons, make your own mistakes. I'm not here for that life. But if there is a particular topic you would like me to talk about. I would be happy to take suggestions on Instagram and, uh, or heck, you can even email me. Be like, hey, would you talk about blah? And should I'll be like, okay, sure, I'll talk about blah. I am all about that viewer-driven life and I want to know what you guys want to hear about. I love the fact that I have any listeners at all and I appreciate each and every one of you, all 10 of you right now. <laughs> I love you guys. You make this worth it and you make it a lot of fun. So if there's stuff that you want to hear about, please let me know and I will happily work it into an episode or dedicate a whole episode to it. So I think that's about all the time that I got for today. Next week, I will for sure be back with one of my personal experiences and hopefully a brand new listener story. We'll see what comes in over this week and uh, hopefully it'll be some fun times, fun spooky times. Oh, Isis has hopped back up to say goodbye as she attempts to crawl under my desk. Cool. Hey, kitten. Thank you guys for joining me this week and every week that you join. And I will talk to you next Friday. Until then, stay spooky, my friends.